0: Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, returning guest, my, one of my favorite guests, the guest that I've had on the most times, and that's Roberta Glass of the True Crime Report. So you can see if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see a screenshot of her YouTube channel. And I reached out to her and said, hey, we should do a show. I've been kind of following her through the podcast and listening to intermittently the shows on Dika and his missing wife. And then this whole Adelson family situation in Florida. And uh, so I, I gave her the choice, hey, you want to talk to about one of these? And Adelson seems to be the most recent one she's covering. So we're going to cover that, this whole saga we were talking in the pre-show. I said, this is really kind of like a saga. It started all the way back with the death of Daniel Merkel, M-E-R-K-E-L, back in 2014 in Florida, who was shot. Um, and then it just came, like... A police investigation. There was some guy from the Latin Kings and his friend Segredo Garcia, Luis Rivera. They were arrested, found guilty. Then there was another girl who was uh, also concurrently prosecuted at the same time. I think it was with Rivera. Her name was Catherine Magbon Bonua. And she ended up, I think, some COVID kind of slowed down the process, but she then got. I think she was convicted, but then it rolled in and they found information on the, the Adelson family. So it was Wendy was the wife of Daniel Markell, and uh, Markell was like a stellar academic and attorney and a lawyer. He went to Harvard B.A. and a JD, and was teaching at Florida State University. And so she kind of got a job at that as well. But then her brother got uh, the trial finally started, I think, just last or he's convicted convicted uh, last month. And during that trial, after he got convicted, the, the mother, Donna, she decides that she's going to run for it. So she tries to get on a plane uh, with the final destination of a non-extradited uh, country in uh, Vietnam. But she gets caught at the airport. Mm-hmm. So she's in jail.
1: And he gets caught. Wait, I'm sorry. Can I uh, yeah. just cut in here? No. She gets caught going through the tunnel, you know, that like tunnel that they put on. So uh, they had to make sure that she couldn't argue that she was like just hanging out for the airport food uh, wow, or right. just dreaming about it. But she decided at the last minute not. They arrested her going, walking. T- I don't Towards know what you plain, call huh? yeah. on that tunnel thing. I don't know what you yeah. call it. Causeway. Yeah in that and then they grabbed her phone and it was like a, a tug of war for her phone she wouldn't give wow up so she didn't want to
0: give it up right Very so and, and, arrest. and you've done so many shows on i think you're probably like on eight shows on different aspects of this wendy adelson and her uh mother and it just it's just a crazy case it really kind of stemmed out of this bitter divorce and custody battle
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh roberta can talk more about that so roberta welcome back to the show
1: thank you so much it's a pleasure to be here
0: i know it's great i mean i always love talking to you so uh thanks for agreeing to the interview for people who may not have been following your research into the addison what got you started and you've had all these shows you actually had somebody who was at charlie addison's trial maybe you can just kind of do a quick overview from your angle what you've seen
1: well i i was uh i interviewed ruth markell dan markell the victim's mother. Uh, on her book, the Unveiling, and I wasn't familiar with the story, and I just got absolutely addicted to it. And when Charlie's trial came around, I just started having hangouts. Like, let's watch this trial. I'm going to be watching the trial anyway. Like, let's just watch the trial together. So, I did some of those, and then I and then I wanted to talk about what I was seeing. He's a Charlie Adelson, so. My interest, I come from, uh, my podcast is a victim-centered podcast. I use the court records, case files, or I go to court myself. So I think that the best way to represent a case is to represent it truthfully and to not obscure the victim and to not make um, either the accused killer or the convicted killer a, a hero. And I think that's a real problem, a real problem I have in true crime media And my other interest, and you're going to, I'm about to blow you away in about a minute and a half. And my other real interest is in this phenomenon of innocence fraud. And I think that's what brought us together is our mutual interest in the West Memphis three and reading your book and having a change of mind about Amanda Knox, uh, the West Memphis three, being fooled by all these documentaries and incredible PR campaigns and Charlie Adelson on his defense team, he has Josh Dubin running the jury selection process. No, I didn't know that. Oh, no. We so talked about it. He went a through of times. a few lawyers, Charlie Adelson. So, you know, what I'm observing when I'm looking at trials, I'm looking or talking to even talking to lawyers. I what I notice is that there are two different kinds of defense lawyers. This is sort of like the Jose bias type that's willing to try to sell a jury. The Richard gear in Chicago tap dancing for the jury, willing to try to sell the jury on a bag of goods. That's, I guess, Georgia Kaplman described it as garbage, um, their defense. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. I, I might echo that sentiment. And um, so And then there's sort of a a more fair, uh, a more moral defense lawyer who will just say, poke holes in the state's case and use what's really true and available to them, uh, strong cross-examinations, those kind of things. And so amongst these kinds of Jose biases, lawyers, they seem to be at an intersection (laughs) you know with the in it of course the innocence project which i've been screaming about for the last five years and researching as the biggest fraud in america and there's josh dubin right from the innocence project right from the joe rogan podcast who loves to so what they do is what innocence fraud is about it's about an ideology so on one side They want to get rid of the death penalty, get rid of life without parole and cap all sentences to 20 years. So that's the ideological side. The other side is the money motivated side. So that comes in with the podcasts and documentaries that help sell these cases and reverse these cases, which are, so they make money just because it's a great story, a wrongfully convicted man, you know, what's a, who's going to watch a documentary about someone who's guilty and convicted? Although I do think you could make it compelling, but, and then they go into our civil courts and sue. So they get this person out using innocence, fraud tactics, using our media, our media never questions, never fact checks, never goes to the, that I've seen generally. I think, I think the one time it happened was in the Richard Glossop case in Oklahoma with a small publication called Frontier at the time, but they've changed hands and changed styles since then too. But they were really investigating the claims, the innocence claims of Richard Glossop and doing a really great job of informing the public. But there aren't many journalists that we have that will fact check, that will go up against this multi-billion dollar movement and how they clean up is in our civil courts where they, once they get this person out, they sue anyone they can and mostly using and mostly it's your taxpayer dollars that are paying off these murderers um now quote unquote exoneration, any kind of springing someone from prison in that movement is considered an quote exoneration right, and the right. media will play along right along. I mean, look at the movie Chicago. It's a really good example, except that it's in real time. Usually these campaigns don't start till about 14 years after, which means they are, What I'm saying about them being guilty is a little bit more, I don't know, a a little bit more understandable in that every appeals court has looked at it and denied it and affirmed guilt. And their their last place that they can fight it is in the court of public opinion. And they often go into those arenas of TV shows, documentaries, and they win. You know, they clean seven up seven figures, seven eight right. figures, right? So these yeah. are
0: not small settlements either,
1: right? And We've they're done coming a show on the, West, your, on the tax and and your tax dollars and the outrages, the silence Central is standing Central right, Park, Central Park 5, 5, five is a
0: perfect example. Pay out sixty million straight out of the coffer, so it comes to right one hundred twenty
1: five. Yeah, was it one hundred twenty five? Okay, something. no, no, they wanted that. I'm sorry, oh, sorry, sorry no, to interrupt I, you. I, I thought they no, I'm sorry,
0: but they got paid real dollars, like huge dollars. So there's a huge interest in financial motivation for this whole process. So,
1: so my two worlds have just come together. Uh, you know, when I was talking to Sonny, who went to Charlie Adelson's trial, and she's telling me about Josh Dubin and how, how disturbed she was by his whole aura and presence and what he was telling the jury. And I'm working on fixing some of the audio so you can really hear what he was telling the jury. He was like, how many of you? He cleaned out half of the jury the first day. Wow. Half went home. So Georgia Kappelman, how many went home after Georgia Kappelman's speech? Basically, he's he's like, well, you see, Charles Adelson, how many people thought that maybe he might have done something and he might have been guilty? And then he got rid of all of those drawers. Is that is that an illogical uh, inference? And is that really an example of real bias? I don't know. I, I don't know.
0: Right. So he's actively involved in jury selection. He was actively involved. Yes.
1: He's part of Charlie Adelson's defense team. And now what we're seeing today, Julie K. Brown, who sat next to me at the Maxwell trial, who has been accused by victims of, of and sued by victims for, for writing uh, unfairly about them and wrongly about them. I believe, do you know, do you remember that lawsuit? Absolutely. I, I know Julie came right. out of her
0: world. She kind of broke mm-hmm. the whole Epstein case. People were researching it in the alternate media, but once she published her series of articles, I think in the Miami Herald, that kind of made the story.
1: Kind well, of she's joining team Donna. So first we saw a, a op-ed pro Donna op-ed within the last week or so. And now Julie K. Brown is is throwing her hat into the ring and writing articles as if, you know, Donna, you know, joining her innocence fraud campaign, in my opinion. Wow, that's incredible. So it's it's amazing that this is going on so long and that, you know, what's happened with the Markel family is they've been cut off from seeing their grandchildren. They've actually changed Florida law by passing the Markel Act. So to stop this kind of um, grandparents... Um, cutting off the grandparents after some kind of traumatic event like this. So wow. it's yeah, it was just signed last she's year. She's an amazing by... woman, Ruth. I mean, a powerhouse woman, and and she impressed me. In and her you strength, interviewed and her, her intelligence,
0: right? You inter- interviewed her ten months ago. So you interviewed her kind of even before Charlie's trial.
1: Yeah, and I don't think I don't think that Court TV or Law and Crime or whoever and or the Tallahassee Democrat were really expecting the interest in Charlie Adelson's trial. I think it was really sort of more of a sleeper trial. And it just people, once you start understanding this case, it's really hard to walk away from it. it, it, it it's so emotionally engaging and interesting. They were smart people. I mean, I they're not super geniuses like Dan Markel was certainly, but they were smart people and they planned this murder for hire, in my opinion, all of them together. And it's very hard to see Wendy Adelson walking around who benefited the most as an unindicted co uh, co-conspirator in this case, still unindicted. And I don't think that she will be indicted until after this is my prediction until after donna's trial which i don't think will happen until a year and a half quickest maybe two years right, right. so it's going i mean it, as you know every year is a, another year that the markels don't get to be with their grandchildren and it's just it, it's just very tough to watch where Watch are the kids? Sure.
0: where are the grandkids now are they with wendy
1: yes Wow, wow, she got crazy. full custody, which was up. It was not just about custody. It's often also Dan Markel was asking the court to sanction Wendy whoa, whoa. for hiding assets and for not returning her, for not for hiding assets in their divorce, and for not returning a Holocaust diamond. And so Wendy could have lost her whole law license. There was more at stake than this should a judge have sided with Dan Markell and his lawyers. If you want to listen to any testimony from Charlie's trial, I think that was Charlie's trial. Listen to Dan Markell's divorce lawyer. It is the most moving piece of testimony. He's like, I wasn't a divorce attorney. I took the case because I just liked the guy and I learned so much from him. I mean, what a testimony to the strength of Dan Markell's character and, it was just very moving you know he seemed yeah. to just really touch everybody that that he came in contact with and there were memorial services all over the the country That's and the globe firm. firm
0: yeah globe his firm. friends are still talking to f- fellow professors and things like that are on law and law and order television i think one of the other law shows and they're still kind of i, thought, I saw his friend solomon talking about it he felt like he was being trampled on markel did So Mm -hmm. he felt like, and he he also,
1: yeah, they're bullies. That's my opinion of this family. I think they're a bullyish family.
0: And something happened, but like the, the mother Donna was really uh ferocious. She she had, I mean, there's like in the court transcript, she's talking all kinds of very uh nasty terms and stuff like that. So Markel said, I don't want my children to be around her, and that probably just made her more angry. Would you agree with that?
1: Right, that's a very good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, that's also another really big humiliation. This is a family of pride, of public appearances being everything, money being everything, winning being everything, and they love revenge. So when Dan Markel saw, heard his own children say, you know, um, Grandma says, um, it was a nickname, a, a Yiddish nickname. Jibbers. It wasn't Jibbers. Jibbers. No, it was a Yiddish nickname. For an endearing nickname, meaning like, you know, your father, uh, your, you know, grandma says, you know, your dad is dumb. Um, and, and which is such an odd thing for, you know, of someone, you know, Harvard educated. Oh. I mean, for all accounts, you know, everybody said he was, everybody who came in contact with him said this guy was smarter than me. So yeah, he, he was himself, like a full right? professor at
0: 33. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I think he was... Uh, you know what do you call it? He, he had tenure at thirty eight or something like he was set. He was done.
1: I mean, his blog blew my mind. I mean, if you like law and you want to start thinking about things, he will. I mean, what a professor he must have been. He had me thinking in you know, fifty different million directions and had my to do list planned with what cases to look at and how they could be considered and stuff. What an amazing mind and 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 an exciting mind who liked to he liked to argue all sides of the issue. And I, I love that. I love that kind of stuff. So um, I just, it's just so sad all around, you know, um, to be, they seem to take, you know, sometimes in these murder cases, you just kind of wonder why, you know, someone was taken who was so valuable um, to the right. community and, and and so loving to his children and, and, and so I mean, loved.
0: Yeah, and the, the, all of their intent would be frustrated. If, if Wendy gets arrested and tried, that means the kids don't see anybody. The dad's passed away, and there's no way a court's going to allow – I mean, they're all going to be in jail for the rest of their lives. Maybe the, the father, uh, Donna's husband, the grandfather of the kids. That's
1: was. the wild card. Yeah, he's still the wild card in all this. But I believe Wendy will – and there's a lot of very interesting – Talking heads, lawyers on this, defense lawyers on this case who say there's, you know, there's not enough evidence to convict Wendy. And I strongly disagree with that. I what haven't evidence? seen it. What evidence is there? Mm-hmm. Well, she drove by the crime scene. She was yes, seen the, by the cops. driving, murder, the, Right. The, right, yeah. right. And she said she went out of her way. She had to go to the stock, the bar party and why she was doing it so early there's apparently liquor stories all over tallahassee but she said she took a shortcut and went by her old house saw not just tape crime scene tape got all the way that went across her mailbox her her realtor called her concerned but she wasn't concerned she never checked in on her kids and she did a three-point turn and then she um Started, you know, phoning people. So, you know, there, there. I think that's very compelling evidence. I think they can use her questioning in the police is there's a lot of very weird things. She does this technique. This is my opinion of it. My view of it is that she goes in there and thinks, what would an innocent person do? And so she says, oh, yeah, he gave me a lot of grief, but I would my family would never do this and I would never do this. And in fact, I used to. You know, we have this family joke that Charlie, my brother, bought me this TV because it was cheaper than hiring a hitman. Now, what was her alibi for the day of the murder? Just coincidentally, fixing this TV that her boyfriend at the time said looked to his eye, purposely ta- with, like a, taken a sharp object to. Someone purposely broke it and not a fancy TV. And he begged her to fix it. And she demanded that that it that they watch a movie night on it all together, so it would stick in his mind. And the kids were whining and crying and complaining. But it was more important to Wendy to have an alibi for herself than to really give the any kind of pleasurable evening to her kids. Wow, so, that's crazy. and so, she was cool. so she, yeah. Go ahead. So this TV constantly comes into play here. So when Donna writes you know, text Wendy, you know, they're on their way. The Geek Squad is on their way. It's really what many people feel, including myself, is Donna's really saying the hitmen are on their way, which they followed Dan Markell out of his gym, followed him home, and then shot him in his driveway. Right.
0: No, it's incredible. So they have like weird code words, and the communications between Donna and Wendy and Donna and Charlie are what the damning things are. Like, they left a trail of communication that was really something else. And I think it was the communication between Donna and Charlie that led to Donna's arrest. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's weird things about the television. And she the, was headed yeah. out that day to go get bullet um, whiskey or something like that. Bourbon. Bourbon, Bourbon yeah. right? With the you know, the subconscious element to me, I, I don't think is lost on uh, people who like, oh, yeah, I want that one, the one with a bullet. And that's her ex-husband gets the bullet. Mm-hmm. Do
1: you, do you, how many times is she shot? Do you know? I don't know. know. It was a few times in the, in the face and then it was just, I mean, just what blows, I think what blows people's minds about this case is just the amazing psychopathy, I guess behind it, the absolute lack of ethics, morals, feelings, and care for your own children. So even if you are say Wendy and you don't like to lose, and your law license is in, is in the balance here. You still care enough about your kids to say, I'll stick it out in Tallahassee till they're old and I can move older, you know, older. They're almost getting to the, you know, it would almost be around, I think they're 13 and 14 now. It would be just, uh, you know, four or five, you know, four years from now, she could move. You know, if, if Dan Markell hadn't moved already, moved on to a different, you know, if they hadn't already arranged something differently or had moved on in his career. Right, You he know? could
0: have gone somewhere else and
1: taught something. Could have. I don't I don't know if he had any of those plans. She, of course, said he did. One day he would move, you know, but he seemed very in a groove there with the community and, and so beloved. It really amazing. Him. And
0: she wrote some kind of bitter, so-called, quote, fictional, unquote, book, right? Before the murders mm-hmm. in 2013, where she, like, hated Tallahassee. She wrote disparate, like it's almost like a a data dump of her frustrations and anger and stuff like that. So she was willing to actually do like a Ramona Clef on, on the whole situation. Oh
1: yeah. And then she made a a podcast too, podcast after the murder, you know, where she called him her latex late ex spouse, because it sounds like latex. Like, you know, this is where um, antisocial personalities really miss is that they don't get the nuances. They don't get why they can do a kind of maybe half decent performance of a real human being. But when it comes time for the details, like knowing that that is totally insensitive and a no go area, you know, it's not funny. There's nothing funny about latex spouse, you know? Um, Right. They all just don't, right. they just can't feel the, they can't read the room. They don't, they don't have those emotions and they can't manufacture them totally in a realistic manner. And that's what we saw in her interrogation, in my opinion. We saw a woman trying to manufacture, you know, hysterical crying over a man that she didn't, by all means, really was in a contentious divorce with and was causing her tremendous difficulties according to her and and not only that it was so overbearing because she loves to play the victim that she had to give him these horrible nicknames to make him less scary and also leave him in a really cruel way when he was on business in new york city she just took all the furniture out of the house and just left a few pieces of clothing that the boys had outgrown in a note wow wow oh no i'm sorry not the note a divorce papers Left them wow.
0: Out. And I mean, so what was the, what was the lead up to the actual filing or getting divorce papers together? What was her excuse? He just was cheating on her. Or was there something going on with they arguing? I don't know. I don't even know what led up to that. Do you know?
1: Oh, well it's first started over. It's because, I mean, in my, if you want my real opinion, my real opinion is that I think that Wendy could not stand being second banana to uh, Dan's brilliance. Yeah. I And and so he first it was he was very religious um, and he became more so as their marriage went on. But she she ordered non-kosher food at the wedding. There are plenty of kosher (laughs) kosher uh, options in that area. It wouldn't have been hard to do. But in my opinion, I think she set down the flag there that this would be war, that they would war. This is, this is war my way or the highway. What are you going to do about it? This is a family they, you know, Donna and Wendy have both been on game shows at different times in their life. You know, Wendy was on the weakest link. And um, so they like to win and, um, and they didn't understand there's a breach with the oldest son because he, Rob, who's also a doctor in upstate New York and really beloved uh, and because he would return change if it was too much, you know, and they would call him honest Abe and say, why would you do that? Why would you ever return change when you got too much change? What a sucker you are. So they're kind of like this. I believe that, you know, he somehow missed the antisocial personality gene and uh, the three of them all have it and they're all bonded in it. and it wow. becomes very cult-like when you have families like this, it becomes a very us versus them attitude. We're the Adelson family, and anybody who's not or not with us, you know, we will a- exact our revenge against them. And Dan Markell became what Jeffrey Lacoste called like the, I'm not sure if he used these words, but the family pastime was hating Dan Markell. Wow. That's was his impression of it. It all brought them together, and then they celebrated his murder with a. Uh, the big party
0: right so they went out and had drinks instead of sitting shiva right didn't you mention that they should have had a if they were religious jews you'd have a week of mourning right
1: right no right right away and you bury them right i think dan was right. actually buried right away though jewish so law you um, have to be buried in 24 right. hours or something yeah like yeah right? mm-hmm. yep. observant and so they're not observant jews um i think they're more i, I don't know how they would describe themselves but more sort of a culturally jew you know what i mean like um what do you call it not culturally like uh i don't know what's a good word for it but it's like, like a nationality like ethnic, and ethics yeah, like ed- ethnic
0: ethnic Jews, but not religious not, mm-hmm, not right. observant right uh, so, so just say- very
1: much like the adelson family like just the surface But none of the soul, you know what I mean? All right.
0: And so you think that the oldest son got away. So he's up in upstate New York on the other side of the country, uh, north, south to get away from all them. And you also made the comment. Yeah, Yeah. he got it. He probably did the right thing. He's not involved in any of this. But the family kind of had this superficial, always smiling in pictures and always looking like the happy family, almost kind of like in a Stepford way.
1: Right. right. A real uh, Donna went to, according to Wendy, which is she's an unreliable narrator, so we'll never know. But according to Wendy, she tried to go to Weight Watchers and they couldn't accept her because she was already in a correct weight. There was nothing for them to help her with. Uh, they both look to my eye like they've had plastic surgery. This is um, a very surface image, what... They want people to envy them, and they—they they, status is very important to this family. So right. it, they Donna picked out Dan Markel on J date, and it's a very odd thing to my mind to pick out a a, a part or a partner or maybe a potential husband for your daughter, and not think that on J date, which the whole thing is based on your religion, and not think You're it's going to be an issue, you know.
0: Right, it's a hot.
1: They just it's thought right they on. could bully him, and Dan Markell did not care to be bullied. Right,
0: yeah. She wrote in the, the email too. Interesting emails written on the stand on the Charlie trial, but that they that the prosecutors read. But it was like she was training Wendy. You got to do the best acting job of your life. You have to do. I mean, it's just incredible. Like it's so incriminating to me. And also, Jibbers hasn't beaten the Allison family yet. So it's like we're in conflict with them. It's so strange. Really weird. No, I
1: think that, you know, from talking with John Lewin, who's uh, known as the king of the cold cases, he tries cases in Los Angeles. He's never lost a cold case since he's been trying them since 2002. And so he tries, like, the hardest cases, the no-body cases, the cases where the def- some of these cases, the defense won't even acknowledge or admit that the person is deceased and how he does it is by recreating the person's life and their usual habits and showing how, how disappearing forever would be a, um, a, a, a massive, massive change in those habits. And I think that you could, I think that you could do the same thing here with Wendy, which is, show did she have a bad sense of direction did she often take this shortcut and how you know what i mean so you there's a lot of little things in this that add up lots of little inconsistencies it's really hard to plan and carry out the perfect kind of murder and the fact that it's a murder for hire murder for hire plot and they covered themselves in some ways and really left themselves open and in other ways, and of course we can talk about maybe the bump a little bit later, um, you know, when law enforcement came in and pushed them to start talking, you know, basically asked, tried to ex- ask for $5,000, yeah. right, tried to get them to pay, which would have been, of course, the most incriminating thing they could have done. But they did tape them talking, and when Donna's calling Charlie, she says it concerns the two of us. Does it concern Wendy? No, no, no. But the way she denies it is, is, is very sus in itself. So, right. I, I I believe Wendy could be convicted. Uh, um, and 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 by the time, see the way I see this case is that they're they're making like a foundation, a house. If you can think about this case as a whole, it's a house. First you have the shooters, then you have the middle woman, then you have Charlie, then you have Donna, then you have Wendy. And maybe the hardest person I would think would be Harvey It would last, but they each build each case builds on, the, on, on it's on the other one. And that's right. the way I think Georgia Kappelman is going about it in a very methodical, she's a wonderful prosecutor, really fun to watch, smart. Um, and cre- And she does a lot of out of the box thinking, creative questions that I wouldn't have thought of. And um, brings a lot of herself to the courtroom. I really have. I really enjoy watching her.
0: I mean, you've seen so many court trials now; like you're almost a specialist. I got to get you to write a book on uh, trial observation, like you primers and hints, and and you can judge like which case is good and which of the prosecutors aren't good in defense.
1: Well, I kind of gave right. Rashbaum a little bit too much. Um, I don't know. I think I was a little bit too soft on him. I had no idea about Josh Dubin. Um, And once you're bringing in, and and people are saying there's this jury expert who's really high priced because, you know, this, it's a money machine, this movement, it's a money machine. (laughs) That's all I can say. And uh, anyone who's connecting, right, connecting their train to Josh Dubin or the Innocence Project, in my opinion, um, I'd be very wary of. That's all I can say.
0: My opinion as well. Very, very wary. A lot of very uh, sus things associated with them, um mm-hmm. right? So yeah, but they but,
1: seem to weave in and out of. Uh, it, it's like I can't get away from this story of innocence fraud. It's like it's like weaving its way in it to every pretty much almost every case that I cover. It's so odd, you know. They they, they sort of insert themselves either by changing the laws or making them more defendant friendly or replacing a district attorney with a with a former defense attorney. So you have a district attorney in name only. And what you, what the reality of it is, is what you have is two defense attorneys talking to each other in court, no one representing the victim and no one representing the people. And I was saying last night, it's so sinister. None of us would say to Charlie, Hey, maybe we can get him a former prosecutor as a defense attorney who would really act against his best interests. No, Phil Markell, Dan Markell's father, is walking out saying, after the verdict, the guilty verdict, I'm really glad he had such a vigorous defense and such a professional defense because you want it to hold up. You don't, you know, you you want it to, you want the process to be fair as, right. As as possible Sixth amendment,
0: yeah, right. no doubt. But that was like the whole thing we had about Adnan Syed is like you have two defense attorneys running the the whole scam. I mean, it's off the charts, right?
1: And then and no and none of the press will call it out. We've just watched in my what in my what is in my opinion a massive fraud with Adnan Syed, and no one in the press is like, well, it's just the strength of this new evidence. None of it was new. And right. one of the people, so what he got out on was the the DNA on the bottom of Heyman Lee's shoes, not on her feet, but in the back of her car, um, a new suspect that was actually the from an interrogation or, or a questioning where the witness was describing Adnan Syed himself. So one of these new brilliant suspects that killed Heyman Lee was Adnan Syed himself. And not one person in the press said this, called it out for what it was. Right. Which is I mean, it was, it was a massive fraud on the American public, massive fraud on our legal system. Everybody's too afraid of a movement filled, uh, a well-moneyed movement filled with lawyers. Yes. And and it's a multi-billion dollar movement. That's all I can say. Yeah,
0: they're intimidated. They have to be. There's probably only like 50 or 100 actual authentic journalists in the United States anymore. I mean, right. there's very few. Very few right. who aren't just going along or just getting assigned something or doing something. Certainly not on TV, but when you see like a real journalist, you're like, wow, this is amazing. I was listening to uh, Schellenberger last night talking about something with Tucker Carlson. I was like, Oh, this guy's a real journalist. Holy smokes. It's just so unusual. It's like right. seeing a unicorn or something.
1: Right. And they're ideologically aligned with them. They A lot of these right, journalists want it, have been groomed in our school, in our universities and colleges to feel that, that, that may be the best way forward to end mass incarceration, quote unquote, which is another whole thing we can get into at another time, is just to let everyone go. So it's interesting that, you know, this this is being that this case is being tried in Florida. And I'm very grateful that it's being tried in Florida. But had this been tried in, say, Los Angeles, there's no prosecutors to, to pro- any experienced prosecutors to prosecute a case like this. There's just no one around. I I mean, Gascon has just so decimated that DA's office and gone put in so many like pro criminal policies like, for example, gun enhancements. He's gotten rid of that. So if you commit a crime with a gun, it's no longer extra years. I mean, just everything for the criminal, nothing. He got rid of the program that notifies victims when they're. Family, their loved ones, killers is coming up for parole. Right. So they, so they just because they don't want them to interrupt the process and they don't want them to show up at the parole hearing, which is their, which used to be a right.
0: So they got rid of the gun enhancements here in LA, and now the guy, there's guys have who have their own guns defending their families, and they are going to either going to jail or having their gun permits taken away. So not only are they getting rid of the gun enhancements, they're dis. Incentivizing people from self-defense—it's off the charts. It's just like the civilization's going down the, the tubes, man. It's I mean,
1: if you live in LA, Los Angeles, you have a great um, candidate there, uh, McKinney, McKinney, who yeah. was demoted, um, which is uh, demoted for speaking out against with John Lewin. uh There's about 30 prosecutors who were demoted. In, reta- in retaliation for speaking out against these pro-criminal policies. And, um, and which was funny with John Lewin, cause he won this prestigious Ken Lamb award the year before. And then right after <laughs> the next year, you know, he's demoted from the cold case, you know, his whole cold case unit that he built that he, you know, uh, uh, that's my understanding. So wow. I may be wrong on that, but I believe he built that up you know, he was the crown jewel. I mean, what a rare and special prosecutor he is with a brilliant, brilliant mind. Those are some of the most fun episodes I've ever done.
0: And, you know, it's a shame that these guys are not getting the credit that they deserve and to have their integrity treasured by the public. You know, hey, guys, thanks for keeping it safe. You know, you're really going after these criminals. Instead, they're like, you're part of the police system, you know, you're putting people in jail forever, blah, 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 blah. So it's, it's kind of like right. our sensibilities have been inverted.
1: At least Right. Tonight. It's a very, oh, you always hear about a policeman doing wrong and very seldomly about them doing well. They're know? all <laughs> quitting too right okay. now.
0: I mean, there, there's a real crisis. Mm-hmm. They're not, a lot of these major cities, their cops are are retiring. They're understaffed. I know San Francisco for sure. But all these other ones. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's only getting worse, kids. It's like,
1: not, yeah. Not Martin Prybe just uh, retired early because he couldn't stand working in Chicago, who wrote a great book. He's one of the few people who does speak out about innocence fraud or the subject of the wrongful conviction movement, which is really from Chicago. I mean, nowhere is there more innocence fraud than Chicago. Left Chicago. And he says that what it does is it makes more. In New York they've lowered the standards for for becoming a cop. Right, so you get yet you, you get it's like it's like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, do you know what I mean? So yes. you get all this negative negative um whip up all this negative feelings towards the police and then uh, and then all the really good policemen quit and then the new ones that come aboard are, sometimes aren't, you know, are really not the best. So Right. It so, becomes so. a self-fulfilling prophecies kind of thing. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, it's kind of like a doom loop. So you get the worst, and then they beat somebody, and then they shoot somebody, then they go, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah, who's gonna who are you gonna attract to do your policing?
1: Like, right. It's like just if, if it's it's if you care about our justice system, and you know, I don't think it's too much to ask to just to keep it fair and balanced. I mean, I mean, that's I know that's sort of a a triggering phrase, but right. but just to keep it keep it uh, you know you want uh, you want a great defense team you want those are the trials you know we all live for that's where it really gets where we where these where you can really see what really happened when you have two teams working really you know debating it out right and instead it it just seems like we're going towards a one you know you can only have you know thinking you only can have sort of like one side represented and that's a crazy proposal in our justice system. That's not yeah, no, it's not
0: good. It's not a. It's good not working track. out
1: well. I mean, we haven't had a famous murder case in New York City in how long? How long? Because well, people you just aren't prosecuting them. I I don't know what what it is. I mean, it seems like these. I read these news stories that would make seem like great trials. I think that they don't have. I. It seems like there was something at the Maxwell trial that 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 the prosecution team that's now of course a federal trial but was so demoralized and um, demoralized and kind of unsupported that's what it looked like to my eye we had um i'm forgetting her name now but the d the district attorney was really um who brought the charges against maxwell really experienced she quit four months before the trial and what we were looking at nobody maybe i'm just an old Fuddy duddy. But you know, I mean, it looked like I think the oldest prosecutor, I'd have to ask. I know my friend Nadia went to the trial and no. I think she, that was like 36 or 34. And that seems like a baby to me up there, you know? So. Right,
0: right. That's
1: young. And yeah. they're up against this multi million dollar defense team of Maxwell's. It's just, we seem to prosecute financial crimes. We seem to prosecute Donald Trump. I, and no comment on that, you know? Um, but when we seem to prosecute these kinds of, um, trafficking cases like Maxwell and Epstein and et cetera, et cetera,
0: Mm -hmm. certainly not the, not the petty kind of thefts or small time thefts or whatever, like they're Mm -hmm. just not even worth their time. And that's why, that's why the whole cities are just rotting from the core. They're just being cored out, which is a disaster.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean everything's you, uh, all locked up every every store yeah. everything's all locked up it's yeah it's so like hard. that in
0: DC San Francisco New York it's crazy mm-hmm. didn't used to be like that did you ever did you ever notice that she, uh, that Wendy Adelson knows pers- persuasion techniques and is using them on the stand have you heard of that and on Charlie's prosecution that she knows how to mirror like it's a technique where you answer exactly back to the question somebody's asking you did you go to the yeah. store? To the store I went, you know they do this weird thing. Have you, have you it's, seen? It's it's a little
1: bit like neurolinguistic programming, yes. the yeah. thing that Nexium uses so much. Yeah, there's yeah. something very hypnotic and odd in her that everybody's picked up on in her testimony, and 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 her lies have been whopper. So that's another question because she was given immunity on the last two trials, you know, limited use immunity, and she didn't. I mean, I my perception of that is that's really for people who want to tell the truth so right. it was odd because she's protecting her whole family and herself she gets up there with this immunity and lies blatantly blatantly so could they get her on perjury i don't know and will they do it i know they rarely do it but it might be useful in this case and i don't think it would be all that hard to do i know sunny last night who went to charlie edelson's trial it was is of the opinion that she believes that Wendy covered herself well enough. I hope, Sonny, I'm re- representing your opinions correctly, at least on some of these answers in a lawyerly way um, right. that would protect. She has her to know the it would techniques. Be hard to try
0: her. Yeah, as a, as a trained lawyer. Where did she go to school? Did she go to Florida?
1: Brandeis. Brandeis. Yeah, pretty good. Mm-hmm. good and answer. top of her class. You know, Brandeis. she's no slouch in the in the
0: legal, situ- yeah, legal right, situation. Right.
1: Right. But she wasn't a Dan Markell. She wasn't a superstar and they came as a package deal. She loves to put down Dan Markell for not getting this job in Miami, but the reason they didn't get it is because they had to come together and they didn't want Wendy. So.
0: Wow. Right. So she was part of the package. Mm-hmm. Wow. Interesting. It's yeah, man. It's, she knows something. She knows these uh persuasion techniques she's she's pretty clever i don't know i I think they should just try to take a risk and try her see what the jury says
1: i think so too i really don't think she will play well in front of a jury i don't think i you know lawyers smarter than i am have have made videos a hundred reasons why you know a hundred pieces of evidence against her you know she could be indicted she is an unindicted co-conspirator in this case and uh I, I don't think I think what we're seeing is a lot of, in my opinion, from my experience, a lot of behind the scenes PR. Why is Julie K. Brown supporting Donna Adelson all of a sudden? Why is this doctor coming out of the woodwork? Why are wh- who knew about Donna Adelson's arrest? Why was it announced via podcast and good for the podcast and good for them for the scoop? And it was fun to find out in that way. But. Right. Wouldn't it have been kind of more might it have been? I don't know. You never know whether they're gonna take questions or any questions or whether they would have had they announced it the next day in a press conference, you know, at least the people that the law enforcement and the and the state's attorney's office could have gotten the credit they deserve for arresting her and being on top of it. And kudos to the friend of the Adelsons who got this weird phone call from them and and called it in.
0: Wow. Interesting. One of the other interesting things about this case was like the Donna threatening I don't know if it was either Merkel or through Wendy like they're going to convert the kids to Catholicism and get them baptized was that did you come across that at all?
1: I'm sorry, can you ask that one more time? I was I'm just sorry. saying
0: that there was a there was a statement that I heard in one of these talks. I don't think it was yours but the mother was 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 going to threaten Merkel to convert the kids to Christianity yes. and Catholicism. Yes, yeah.
1: Catholicism. Yes. It sounds mm-hmm.
0: funny to me, but it's that I mean and like baptism was that like just to kind of get back at Merkel? Like would you think that Merkel?
1: Yeah, yeah. Merkel. Yeah, Dan Merkel. Yeah, that that they yes. and she also wanted to dress them up in SSI, you know, Nazi outfits. Oh, so, really? wow. So, so that, that will show you how paper thin to my feeling as a Jew who was you know, my dad convert, my mother was, my mother's half Jewish. My father was full, you know, fully Jewish, mm-hmm. converted to Quake, my mother's religion of Quakerism, um, which her father had converted to. It's a crazy, it's a crazy life. Interesting. So but, you're truly right, a hybrid. So, you're a hybrid, right, on both Definitely. Sides. I was denied sort of the, the religious, you know, I, I'm not familiar with the religious side of Judaism the way other, you know, Jewish people are. And i wouldn't uh, I would never even think uh, no matter how much I hated my my what do you call son-in- law of thinking of doing and doing that to the grandkids at that age. That's I mean, crazy. you know, just this absolute Spiritual, narcissistic yeah. need for and also it shows me that I mean what I think is I think that they have a lot of real. They wrestle with real issues of self-hate around their their Jewish identity. What other Jewish person would would want to do that? You know, self-respecting person say, "Oh, dress up the kids to get revenge for the yeah, purpose of revenge gross. to use something," and and knowing and also knowing that Wendy is holding on to a piece of the Markel's family history, a Holocaust diamond. Right. I mean, what's going on here? But you, but you you make big problems for the eldest son because he fell in love at really madly. Love of his life was not Jewish and wanted to marry her and instead married someone else and then annulled it. And, you know, did, and they said, Oh, we'll accept her. And then this blew up, you know, then Dan Markell was murdered and he figured it out. I believe that's the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's the scenario, you know, chain of events there. James. So what kind of family demands, you know, you have to think that everything's my point is everything's on the surface. There's no soul to this family. Absolutely soulless. In, in my view.
0: Do you, do you, did you ever hear anything about financial fraud or Medicare fraud associated with their business? I thought I read something about that. Did that ever come across your. Business? Yeah.
1: Well, I I haven't dug deep into it uh, yet, but it just is very interesting to me that on the wiretaps when, so what they did is they put a undercover guy on, he's on video. He comes up to Donna, who's picking up the grandkids. This is post Dan Markel's murder and the investigations at a standstill and they want to sort of get them talking, <laughs> you know? So, and really the aim of that was to get one of them to pay, you know, pay up this, So this undercover cop comes up to Donna and and with a picture of Dan Markell, uh, you know, a a news release of his murder, the figure $5,000 and a phone number. And they all sort of played hot potato. um, As my guest last night, Sonny said with it, no, you call, no, you call. And Katie, the middle woman's doing this kind of very streety thing where she starts screaming at Charlie, that the number's wrong, basically putting it on him. Like trying to put him on the defensive, which is a very street tactic, and off of her, the attention off of her that she won't make this call. Eventually, Donna calls and says that you should go to the police if you know of anything about it. But, of course, she never went to the police and said someone's trying to extort me. Uh, She never paid the money, but certainly that's because we know from the communications that they all figured out it was an undercover cop. So,
0: Gotcha. Interesting interesting yeah i mean this this is amazing it's an amazing case this whole situation and then it's not going to stop i mean i don't see anything uh i think that she they'll probably work on her for a while she's got to be um pretty concerned that she could be indicted what do you what do you see in the future
1: i think this this pr this i i hope people are seeing this for what it is which is pr you know they they have pr people working behind the scenes these things are not coming out because people are so in love with donna adelson and so believe in her innocence this is a in my my view of studying this you know they hitch the wagon to a movement that i really understand this is how they work this is how they move they take out op-ed pieces they usually this happens the way after you know the conviction but they're doing this innocence fraud campaign in real time for donna and and wendy both and so who do you knows think what dubin else is, is going that, on behind the scene
0: do you think that dubin not only is involved in jury selection but also in the uh propaganda side of these yeah well? mm-hmm. okay.
1: oh yeah oh yeah he knows all the tips and trips so he's um, getting paid. it's it's very much like i i don't know all, all of what they do and i know that when you work for the innocence project you have to what i've heard is that you have to sign a non-disclosures agreement? But it is a very, I mean, all I can say is think of Chicago, think of Richard Gere's character, and think of the way the press related to his clients. And that's what you have with an innocence fraud campaign. Everybody repeating it, every nobody checking in on it. And the problem is you can do that 14 years after a conviction when it's all forgotten and you can start obscuring the truth and playing with facts. And, um, but here we've all seen these trials. It's all been in real, this is in real time. It's not working. This is the most informed audience I've ever had on any case. They know uh, most of them know way more than I do. Honestly, William Ramsey. I mean, they're absolutely an incredible group of people uh, who Are all kind of just really committed to the idea that justice be seen for Dan Markell. And, you know, it's like, it always makes me really uncomfortable. I say this is an incredible case. It's an incredible case, but it's like incredible sorrow for the Markell family. You know, they're never going to, you know, never be the same again. Something irreplaceable has been taken for them. And such, and that's why we demand justice.
0: Yeah. Amen. He had a lot of uh, years left. He could have contributed in who knows all kinds of ways. I mean, the guy was obviously brilliant, but uh, yeah, it's a shame for just like people arguing about custody, but you know, those, those divorces, sometimes they just get, this is a perfect example, overheated, they feed into each other's anger and, you know, anxiety. And then somebody says, let's do this. I think that's probably Mm -hmm. what happened. And do you, I mean, was Charlie kind of a womanizer? I mean, I keep hearing these rumors that he was just about money and, and women at that time. I don't know if he's married or...
1: Oh, oh, yeah. No, well, now he has a baby with a woman, but he had a rotating cast of, of women going, usually um, Latina women. Um, not all, but, you know, anyone he could anyone he could control and manipulate. And then he also took trips to South America to
0: they were like sex be tra- with tra- with
1: children you know oh, to oh, have really? relations with children yeah
0: was that so, i mean I, I
1: would call them children i don't but you know if you want to use a euphemism if you want to use underage women if you want to use teenagers or whatever other kind of euphemism you want to use but essentially it all com- boils down in my mind to a child right so wow you that's know? crazy where was he going uh, colombia or something like that Vietnam was one of those stops. Yeah. All over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's a crazy, you know, there's social media video of him getting his feet done among a, you know, in a spa in Vietnam, you know, he's, he's complete. He he's very comfortable according to Jeffrey Lacoste of living outside the law. And, and he was the dyslexic kid He didn't have his, he needed his family to get him through, you know, to pull strings with a Broward County judge to get him to graduate from dental school. That was one tip. Uh, So he was the black sheep and now in desperately in need of the love of his mother and the approval of his parents. And how do you get approval in this family? by doing i mean it's just so You're doing odd the unspeakable. I do, right, right. You you become the By become immoral and getting over and getting revenge and you know it, it's just they don't have any kind of moral center and that's something dan markel really did have he and then he felt very close to his faith and so much of his if you read his writing about the law so much of it is about a a wrestle with morality
0: Wow, that's so crazy. I didn't know. I didn't know that part. I, I vaguely remember reading that, but wow, I didn't know that aspect of it. Roberta, we are at the hour mark. Is there anything you would like to add, or how, how would you like to wrap this up? I, Is there anything else I, to cover?
1: No, and thank you, Rude Irish. I appreciate the the kind words and, and the super chat. Um, um I don't know what to say. I think that I I think that what's going to be very interesting and what's, I hope that people are looking at this case with wide open eyes and asking questions. And I hope, why, why, why is, why are people so, so sure Donna Adelson is innocent. We've heard these wiretaps. We've heard some of the evidence in Charlie's trial and it's quite damning. She was the one paying the checks to the you know signing the checks from the Adelson Institute, which I love their dental clinic, or not clinic or dental practice is a better way to put it, and that's very damaging. You know she wasn't really working there; it was a fake job for the middlewoman. And why was you know, and and certainly fleeing, she's made the best evidence against herself. I think the right. strongest piece of evidence is her fleeing. I mean yeah. that shows consciousness of guilt. And, and her hanging onto her cell phone, not wanting what's on that cell phone. And that's what we've seen. Uh, su- um, is it a subpoena you get or it's a warrant, a warrant? Yeah. A warrant yeah, for, you weird, know, to, right. To go through. Right. Yeah. To go, no, to, to get all the, the computers and the oh. cell phones and go through it and, and find and the property. So things have been searched and that's my understanding in the Harvey and, um, Donna's Adelson's home. So it's
0: been searched and stuff. And I th- I thought I read mm-hmm. somewhere that was like 35 hours of discussions between Charlie and Donna on, on a jail phone. Like, Holy smokes. They're not that criminally right. sophisticated if they're even talking that much on a, on a jail phone, which is, I think not considered an invasion of privacy. I mean,
1: right. Why didn't she just go? I mean, it will just show you their weirdness. Why didn't she just go and have a visit? Are they, sir? Right. They can't take those visits, do they? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think think so. I know the phone calls are. I don't I thought so too. But she was saying she was gonna either end everything or she was going to oh thank you, Chateau. She was gonna end everything or or flee the or get, you know, basically or flee the country. I mean, what a way to telegraph what you're gonna do and show your hand and thank heavens. For the, you know, basically what they did is they got in in touch with a couple that they hadn't talked to in years and told them, you know, we're going away. We need some advice for our trip. And they thought it was really weird and called the police. So that will show you that they are social pariahs amongst their old group of friends. If immediately a weird phone call from them, uh, from the old friends at Adelson's, (laughs) you know what I mean? Right. Right. You know, know the Edelsons' holy
0: I have no idea right. who those people are. I never knew them. Blah blah blah. I bet I bet nobody right. wants to know because that like,
1: right. Mean, and we saw saw the the tour of Charlie Adelson's friend, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was really close, besties with went on these trips to South America, you know, South yeah. America with Charlie doing a kind of tour because and I'm sorry that he's going through this because he it was a witness in the trial that he feels he's getting a lot of hate. I don't know in what form, if it's just, he's reading the comments and they're not positive, but he did a lot of interviews trying to resurrect his image, you know?
0: Wow. Interesting. I think we'll be hearing from these, this whole story again in the future. I'm not surprised, but uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for all your knowledge and doing all Um, the work and researching all the stuff. I really appreciate it. Working people, if they're listening to my side of the stream, where can they find your uh, podcast, YouTube channel and anything else? Sure.
1: That to? I'm at, at Roberta glass at on YouTube at Roberta glass pod on Twitter. I am actually, I, I refuse to call it X, but I'm on, I'm actually on Twitter quite often. Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have a, my own Facebook group. You please come join this discussion in there. Um, I have Patreon if you, or buy me a coffee. Links are usually in the description of my episodes. Um, Please support my work. Leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I hate my self-promotion. I'm very bad at it, but I think I hit most of the general things (laughs) that are required to keep my podcast, you know, going.
0: Yeah, so you can see the podcast and you can see if you're watching YouTube, this is the live section. Go check out the video section too. So there's some of the older interviews and that's where you can find the Interview Roberta did with uh Dan Merkel's mother, so that was like 10 months Ruth, ago. So I yeah. need to go back and listen mm-hmm. to that. But uh, another great show! Thanks so much for your time, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. All right, take care, stay there.